This is a special edition of Come On You Reds. Gareth Wheeler with you alongside my buddy. Well, actually, he's not even in the same room as me. It is Toronto FC analyst and academy coach extraordinaire with his under-14s down in Houston. No, there is no problem. Terry Dunfield on the line from Houston, Texas. What's going on, T. Dunfield? What's happening, brother? Greetings from Houston. How's it going down there? We definitely don't have Houston. It's a problem. I was practicing that all morning. It didn't I, I, even work. I just delivered the joke, and then you just trump my delivery of the joke. Yeah, that's how we roll. That a boy. Uh, how how are you guys doing down there? By the way, the under fourteens. What's the tournament you're playing in? We're playing in Copa de Reos International. Uh, it's a big boy tournament. Uh, in our group, we've got Atlanta United, Dallas a Mexican team called Minerals de Zacatecas, and Atlas FC. Atlas, Atlanta, and Dallas, three of the best academies in North America. Uh, it's just, and Central America, it's just, it's, what an unbelievable experience. We'll get more into your trip next week, but we have business to attend to on this episode 113 of Come On You Reds at Wheeler TSN at Terry underscore Dunfield is where you get at us. We're going to reflect upon the nil-nil result in the first leg of the Eastern Conference Championship down in Columbus. We're going to look ahead to Wednesday's second leg, bring you an update on the West Final, and of course, what is an episode of Come On You Reds without high five? But 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 Terry, your, your road trip started what on Monday making the trip down to Columbus you were part of the television broadcast I was part of the radio broadcast down in Columbus against the crew and there was a great vibe really heading into the game wasn't there like despite there being that long and excruciating 16 day layoff there was still a good vibe heading into the game where you knew that their supporters and our supporters were both ready for this yeah, I, I think TFC and the coaching staff and players uh, timed it perfectly. It's tough with 16 days off to, to peak at the right time. So I, hard. I thought, the, I thought the club got it right with their days off, with just taking their foot off the gas a little bit, and then all ramped up nicely at, at, at the right time. And, of course, it's tough with the Altador Saga. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Javinko's out. And I, I thought uh, the timing... Uh, of getting the boys peaking at, at the right time, the little change in the system. Uh, I think the club nailed it. It was a brilliant day in Columbus. Like, the weather was phenomenal during the day. There was, like, a 1,000 Toronto FC supporters that made the trip down. They started at a pub uh, just north of the downtown, and they marched to the stadium. Like, great scenes. And there was a camaraderie as well because the the uncomfortable nature of that game was the fact that Columbus might lose their soccer club. And there was the whole save the crew movement that was going on. And I saw lots of Toronto FC supporters involved in, uh, involved in that as well. Yeah, I love that. The, the supporters group sort of came together. And just, just speaking about the Columbus people, the friendliest people, they're the nicest guys ever. I was they're in an Uber. And this guy was like, dude, you're just such a good guy. You're a good guy. And like he turned his Uber meter off on me. A few hours later, I'm sharing a taco with some people I don't even know, and everyone's talking about <laughs> the crew, and and Ohio State's playing Michigan this weekend. It was, the, the food down there was unbelievable. It, it was just a, a great couple of days topped off with an electric game that, that turned into be what we thought a real uh, – 
chess match, a real tactical masterclass from both managers. We, we can discuss a little bit more about Columbus in a few moments' time, but let's get down to the game, Terry. And Greg Vanny decided to put out a much different team. Three changes were made to the group. Uh, the the Altidore-Javinko moves were forced with Azorio and Ricketts coming in. Not much of a surprise there. But Nico Hasler was brought in for his first playoff start ahead of Eric Zavaleta, which ended up changing the formation. We weren't sure what it was going to exactly look like at the time, but it turned out to be basically a 4-1-4-1. What were your thoughts on the moves that were made by the coaching staff? Did they get it right, Terry? I think they did. I, I think when you're missing Javinko and Altidore, you're away from home. That's over two legs. I think you take all that into consideration. Also, the fact that it was a small pitch. It's quite a bit smaller than BMO. I, I think going with a 4-1-4-1 system just gave Michael Bradley in the middle of the park a little bit more protection. And, uh, and I think with Ricketts up top, you thought you might get an opportunity, which never really came. I thought the Columbus crew defended quite well. But what I liked... Uh, about the performance in the first 10 minutes. It wasn't TFC just sitting back. I liked how they high-pressed, tried to maybe just nick one early, and then as the game settled down, they, they sat back in a real low block, and, and there was no space in behind for Kamara to, to, to run into. And uh, I, I thought TFC got it right. Uh, definitely, I thought Bradley in the first 10 minutes was immense. He really led by example and, and set the tone for the whole team. And, and that, I, I think when your captain plays out of his skin like that, and it's no surprise he's done that all the way through the playoffs, not only this year but in previous years, it, it kind of galvanizes the group a little bit and says, you know what, we'll follow suit. Right. I I like the changes as well. I felt for a player like Eric Zavaleta, who I think has been outstanding all season long, but we talked about it last week on the pod. When you play a team that plays at 4-2-3-1 and just have that one lone player up top in Ola Kamara, sometimes it's difficult for a three center halves or three center backs to just deal with that one player. And so I thought adding another player to the midfield made a whole lot of sense for the more defensive approach that you want to have, you know, really relying or playing on the counter over the course of the first leg. Yeah, I agree 100%. It also allowed TFC to be very connected as well. I thought the balance throughout the park was good. And, and you're going to get that without Javinko and Altidore up top. The team from north to south wasn't as detached as, as we see sometimes. And, and you lose that threat up top. I think with wide players, Delgado and Hassel, that's not their natural position, but it gives your fullbacks a little bit more protection. And I think another reason why Greg went to a back four as well was I think the Columbus front four are, are very good. Santos and Merrim as well out wide. And, and, and it gives you a sort of, when you're in a three, you're vulnerable to 1v1s a little bit with your two outside center backs. So it just blocks that channel up a little bit. And I thought Betashore and Morrow were excellent on the deck. Well, I, I just don't know how you take out Betashore at this point. For yeah. me, like other yeah. than Bradley, like Betashore is being your next best player. Like he has been that good. And what it also did by keeping Betashore in the game, he can play on the right side of a back three and he can go out and play wide right in, at the fullback position. So it gave the team some versatility, and it took Greg Bearhalter a couple minutes to say, okay, this is how Toronto FC is playing. Now I need to change our tactics accordingly. So I think it gave you a little bit more flexibility playing Betashore in a role like that. He was solid, and I think even at, I think he's around 30, say, and when since Hassler came in and he came back from the 
lacerated pancreas. I, I, I think that that competition for pl- places has even taken Beta's game to another level. I thought their fullback Retala got forward, the left back for the Columbus crew, quite well. But any time those 1v1s or overload situations, Beta just dealt with it. Yep. And, and at the moment, I agree with you, second probably maybe to or third to Bono and, and Bradley, he's playing out of his skin right now. Uh, I want to get more into Michael Bradley's first half because I, I'm i with you. He played out of his socks in that first half and how the rest of the game played out. More on that coming up. This is Come On You Reds. This is Come On You Reds. Gareth Wheeler in Toronto, Terry Dunfield down in Houston as we're breaking down the first leg of the Eastern Conference Championship. Of course, it was a... Uh, a nil-nil draw in the first leg, Terry. We'll get into what that means in a few moments' time. But I thought Toronto FC did have a few chances in the first half of play. R- Ricketts was at more active in the first half than the second half. And this one ball that Michael Bradley played over the top to Nico Hassler. From the left side of the field to the right, TFC scored in a very similar way against the New England Revolution with Hasler kind of with the shot cross that ended up finding the back in the net that time. I thought that that was a big move, but I really like the patience and how Michael Bradley just commanded the central, the, the middle of the park really throughout the first 45 minutes. Yeah, I, I agree. In football or, or, or soccer, you, you want to... That first 10 minutes, there's a term, lay a marker, whether it's winning your first header, you're connecting your first pass, uh, your first tackle. And, and, and I thought Michael Bradley really set the tone for TFC. By doing all of that, he hit that long raking diagonal across the pitch with pressing. He was like... He was like he was possessed to get that ball back. A couple took it off Miram a couple times, some of his balls between the lines. I, I, I really thought he had, had not just the first 10 minutes, but uh, he, he, was, he, was, he was the man. And, and, and I think this is why he came back to MLS to play in games like that. And there's a lot of talk about his big salary. And, and, and um, I think he, he really justified it. And, and he, he, he was different class. And the more it's horrible to see him still get booed because of what happened with the U.S. men's national team when he plays in the U.S., but it's almost like he, he rises to the occasion. And it's like poking the bear. The more he gets booed, the, the better he is. TFC, what they did much better than they did over the two legs against New York was just keep the ball. And they were very patient, Terry. And what I was surprised with what the crew did in the first good half point, of play, point. they sat back. And really for the home side, in any home and a leg home and away tie, and I was critical of the Vancouver Whitecaps for being too conservative in their home game against uh, against Seattle when they fell out of the competition, but Columbus, for me, was very conservative. They were wary about Toronto FC on the counterattack, and TFC were just content just keeping the ball, and, and that didn't bother me at all, Terry. It was just like they took what was given to them, and it didn't make for the most breathtaking game or end-to-end stuff that we've seen before, but still, like they, I, their approach to the match was exactly what it should have been. Yeah, and I, and I think you've got to give credit to TFC for that. I, I think Columbus would have loved to play higher up the pitch. They couldn't get the ball to the front four because, because TFC pressed high and it didn't come to the front four with any quality. 
And, and when they did get it into their front four, TFC got back into their low block, block extremely quickly. They were connected. And when TFC did turn the ball over, because they were so well connected, there was passing lanes, there was triangles all over the pitch. The only thing I thought TFC could have done a little bit better in that first half was once they got into that final third, they just rushed their attacks a little bit. They, there's a couple opportunities where they forced crosses into the box or took shots from distance. If there was a little bit more patience in that final third, I thought maybe they could have generated a better opportunity. But also TFC didn't want to, you could tell, not commit too many bodies forward because they were wary of Columbus yes. in transition. TFC, I mean, Columbus are very good in transition. So I thought it was a, a smart game plan. At times, Toe St. Ricketts up top was on an island a little bit. I, I thought he could have held the ball up a touch better. I know that's not his strength. He, he's better at running onto things. And at times, his service wasn't great. Uh, but but I, I thought it was a very good overall, a, a top-class away performance over two legs from TFC, if you take everything into consideration, and also you don't have Javinko and Eltador. Well, I'll tell you the only thing that looked weird to me was Marky Delgado down the left-hand side, because he's played down the right-hand side all season long, and for whatever reason, with Delgado down that left-hand side, and Moro who has been such an attacking threat all season long, Morrow was withdrawn. He held back. I don't think he took fully advantage, full advantage of having a player like Harrison Awful, a player for me that's better going forward than is defending in this, in this game. And that was my one disappointment from the match, is that Toronto FC didn't attack enough down that left-hand side. Agreed, and but I don't think the the coaching staff will be bothered one little bit. The upside of no, creating sure. an op, uh, the upside of creating an opportunity and Morrow getting forward uh, to, to being hit on the counter and in transition for me wasn't worth it. And and I think that's why TFC just stayed at home a little bit. And at times it wasn't that free flowing attacking football we're used to seeing at BMO and even on the road. Uh, I, I thought it was smart play and, and Delgado on the left. I thought he did okay, but but his his job was to protect Moro and, and and try to stop Santos from doing anything. Who who by the way I think is a very good player. Well, we'll get into that in a, in a few moments' time. I thought Toronto FC were the better team in the first half. I'm not sure about you, Terry. Uh, just really the one defensive one defensive breakdown. It was on a set piece where the ball was played in from distance. Interesting. They put Santos and Higuain over each and every dead ball. Even corner kicks, giving a left-footed threat and a right-footed threat. Ball was played right inside the six-yard box. Josh Williams just couldn't connect, went into the hands of Alex Bono. But other than that one breakdown, Toronto FC were completely clean over the first 45. And positive goalkeeping again from the youngsters. How many young keepers do you see or even experienced keepers sit on their line? Yeah, and 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 exactly. And he he read the play well. I thought and the distribution wasn't particularly great on the day. No, it wasn't. He was kicked kick to touch rugby style, but um, I, I thought he. I, I thought again. He, there, there's an a, a, like a. You don't feel like there's. A, and I'm touching wood as I say this. A ricket in his game, do you? His, his handling's extremely safe. He's positive, uh, and I and I feel like he's just he enjoys the occasion and that little bit of pressure. The third year goalkeeper, like in Alex Bono, this is the thing about him. And you're right. He was subscribing to safety first. And you and you see that oftentimes in games like this. There was a few moments where his defenders played him the ball back when they maybe shouldn't have, to tell you the truth. They could have played the ball forward, but they just went back to the goalkeeper. And I think Alex was a little bit uncomfortable with it. But that's kind of the last aspect or element of his game 
that will need to come together, right, for him to be that complete goalkeeper because he has the size. He reads the game extremely well. He's a natural shot stopper. He's athletic. I think he's smart. But it's really with the ball at his feet. That's the last element of his game before you're going to see what could be a dominant goalkeeper in this league and maybe goes on to even bigger and better things, Terry. Agreed. And and, the, and if you look at the U.S. men's national team, some of these keepers are aging a little yes. bit. So they're, they're, it's some the timing's right for him to... to to, to possibly get a chance and and look there's no there's no need to take a risk over two legs early with your kicking and try to do something a little bit clever play between the lines into Bradley don't take any chances and one of the other things I'd say you've got to give him credit for is how tuned into the game he is it's tough for for goalkeepers let alone a young one who doesn't have a whole bunch to do to be ready to all of a sudden make that save when you need to and he's he's done that in the series against the Red Bulls and he did it in the second half. And in the second half, I, I still thought that Toronto FC started the game, started the second half decent, and then Columbus started to press a little bit more higher up, up the park. Uh, it was weird with Will Trapp almost playing like a sweeper at times, Terry, leaving the the central midfield for Arthur and Higuain to, to really manage. But I thought Arthur, and, and he was kind of an X factor heading into this game. I thought he played well. Higuain started to find a little bit of joy down the right-hand side. And the crew started to press high, which started to cause Toronto FC some problems. And really, the two clear-cut scoring chances for the Columbus crew came through Toronto FC mistakes more than they did anything that they naturally created you know, in, in open play. And I think that that's a testament to how well Toronto FC did holding their shape despite more pressure coming their way in the second half. Agreed. I, I thought the second half was a real disciplined display. I, I thought the team was connected again very nicely. Didn't take any chances. It was an uncharacteristic mistake from from Moore at the back post. He just needs to clear his line. And, and Bono steps up and he makes himself big. He makes a save he should make. And uh, but I, you, I liked what he did on, of, you liked what he did on you like what he did on Santos even more than the the same on Harrison Awful. Yeah, yeah, the save off of of Awful was was a good save, and I and I loved how Raheem Edwards after that threw his body on the line, and and that's something that that fans and your team love, and 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 you you see that sort of that fight and that the commitment to the cause there from Raheem Edwards. But I love the save off of Santos where Sa- Santos he gets a yellow card for. Point trying to ask the referee to do the VAR. Bono was off his line in it so quickly, and then a lot of keepers just keep going and clatter Santos and give away a penalty. Somehow he's able to put the brakes on, still makes himself big, and, and doesn't commit a penalty. I thought Santos was the best Columbus Crew player on the day. Agreed. You too. Yeah, he's, he's a little bit like uh, Ladero for Seattle. Probably doesn't have the same quality. Uh, doesn't have the goals in him, but in terms of creativity, I think he's top-notch, and his work rate was outstanding. Yeah, he's very good, at, and it's tricky. And, and again, that's maybe why TFC played the tight lines of the 4-1-4-1 system, where he's very good at playing in between lines, and, and, it, and it's difficult. And, and as a center half, at times you'll want to step out, but if a center half steps out and goes to him, all of a sudden... There's now a pocket to play in behind, and Ole Kamara, the center forward, Norwegian international, he's very good at running in behind. So I thought the back four were very disciplined, allowed Michael Bradley, Osorio, Delgado to deal with that threat. And uh, I thought Santos, I agree, he, he was the best player. 
Higuain is probably still in Michael Bradley's back pocket as well, by the way. Sure, sure. And that, and that was huge in that game. Higuain, other than the last 10 minutes of the game, was a peripheral figure. Like, he really wasn't central to anything that was going on in Columbus. It was Arthur. It was Santos. And a lot of possession by players like Ratala, like, you'll take that all day if you're Toronto FC. That's why I think the way you put it, Terry, being a disciplined approach, that's exactly what it was for Toronto FC. Even when Kakuta Mane came on, really had one half chance, that's about it. Miram came over to the right-hand side. I thought Toronto FC dealt with all the threats very well. And their top goal scorer, 18 goals on the season in Kamara, I mean, more and Mavinga simply owned him on the night as well. Yeah, good point. And and Kamara's in great form. And, and I think because they sat so deep, we touched on it earlier, there was no space for him to run in behind. I thought the fullbacks did a great job of stopping crosses. He he, he loves uh, getting on the end of end of that of, of crosses. And, um, and and I think we've got to give a shout out to Drew Moore. He's he's not at times he's looked a touch shaky in a in a back four. Look, he, he's the man. Uh, organizing as that sweeper in a back three, but but I thought he did a very good job in the four as well. Me too. Um, so the game ends nil-nil. Anything else you want to bring up from the game? Like I think both of us thought that Bradley was the man of the match. Man, best player on the park by yeah. a mile. Bono, real, obviously. Real captain's performance. And I, I, I think Bono did what he's expected to do. I, I don't think he made an incredible save like he did against Bradley Wright Phillips. Again, I thought TFC really protected him well. And I, I thought both fullbacks were very good, too. We didn't see them getting forward as much as we'd like. And I think that'll be different at BMO on Wednesday night. But I, I thought they were traditional fullbacks. Stop crosses. Uh, kept the ball moving nicely. Uh, and and the, the TFC were nicely connected as well. You don't get the away goal, but still the clean sheet, Terry, for me that's just massive because if you, if you look back, and, I, and I've asked multiple players this question over the course of the week, if you went back to the beginning of March before the season began and someone gave you the option of going into your final game, the Eastern Conference Championship second leg, where all you have to do is win at BMO Field to make it back to MLS Cup, each and every member of the team and the coaching staff would have taken that. A hundred percent. All day, especially with a fully fit squad and, and, and how well TFC have been playing at BMO. Yeah, uh, you would. No and, doubt. You know what? I, I think TFC, look, they've been on fire this year. They've No one scored more goals than this season, 74 goals in the league, the well, averaging well over two goals a game. But but for me, the the first objective for Greg Vanny w- w- was to to defend, and, and, and I think that's why that defensive shape and mentality and, and how committed TFC are to not concede goal is why they set a record points total in the league this year of, of 69 points. Only KC have conceded less goals than TFC, and I thought that that has been TFC's backbone all year, and we saw that big time against the Columbus crew. On our post-match phone-in on TSN Radio, some people were just less than enthused about the overall performance just because it wasn't exciting. Look, I, I think that Toronto FC fans have been very fortunate over the last They've couple of years. Well, that's the thing with what happened with Montreal. Those were two wild games against New York City FC. That was craziness, a demolition job and an absolute upset running over Patrick Vieira and company. Even against the Philadelphia Union, three goals in the first game. Like, that isn't typical playoff 
you know, cup football, is it? Like, sometimes no. you have these cagey, pragmatic matchups, which might not be all that visually pleasing, but you get the job done. And that's all that Toronto FC care about at this point. Uh, we'll get into the second leg. What changes may be in store, obviously, with Javinko and Altidore coming back into the 11. That's coming up next. Wheeler and Dunfield with you. This is Come On You Reds. Gareth Wheeler, Terry Dunfield with you at Wheeler TSN at Terry underscore Dunfield. Toronto FC and the Columbus crew coming back to BMO Field for the second leg. Uh, a goalless draw in the opening match. I'll bring up one other thing. Michael Bradley's post-match comments have drawn the ire of many south of the border, and I don't know why. Just showing sheer honesty about the Columbus market. Look, he was booed again. It doesn't make much sense to me considering how much Michael has done and what he means for the U.S. men's national team. And I don't know why him and Josie get the brunt of it. Maybe because they're big figures. You're only, uh, unfortunately, in this industry, it's almost... Like he's you're you're as good as your last game. Well, yeah, it's it, it drives me nuts. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense. But his comments post match, I thought they were absolutely spot on about how the Columbus market, for whatever reason, is stagnated as the league has grown. The the Columbus crew, they've been near the bottom in attendance, revenue, interest, etc. Year after year, despite having pretty good sides and. Michael Bradley saying that post-match, it has nothing to do with sour grapes. It has nothing to do with treatment. This is something that you ask any player that goes to Columbus to play one of those midweek or weekend games over the course of the regular season. It's dull. It's lifeless. It's very difficult to play in an atmosphere where there really isn't one. And yeah. and, and I think he's just being honest. And, and, and I don't know about you. You've been there. You've played there. It's fallen off the map. Yeah, I'll first go back to his comments, Wheels, is is way too often soccer players are, are because of social media, because of reactions like this, are, are, are scared to say really what they think, and, and, and way too often is cliched central. And, and Michael Bradley just spoke his mind, and, 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 I, and a lot of his comments, if you really dissect them, they, they're, they're so true. And, and I feel for the hardcore Columbus fans, I've played there when it's thunderstorming and, and they're still out, there's no protection in the stand, they're still watching their team play and and unfortunately it looks like it's going to be just too little too late on the night the support was incredible the save the crew campaign it's galvanized the team there's there's no way from getting away from that but too often and it's been part of team talks when i've been there look guys you're going to have to go out there and make your own atmosphere there's this the, the stadium's a third full Exactly. And there are 10 to 15,000 hardcore fans. I have no doubt about that. And they're loud and they're passionate. But you need a little bit more than that, don't you, to like support I, I think, the club? I think, I think when I played in the league two, sorry, three years ago, um, that was enough. And, and, but the league's evolved. The, the league's gone nuts. Look at, look at Atlanta. It's incredible. Look at Minnesota. Look at Seattle, all, all Portland, TFC. Now, yeah. like the, the the renovations at BMO. It's it's just the the league's just gone to an absolute another level. And and at the moment, Columbus are kind of not quite there. And and you know, you look at the Austin market. It, it could be a really good fit. Just wanted to bring that up because. Uh, There's a late play that on the front cover of of the newspaper, a consortium potentially partially owned by the fans, talking about building a stadium. But as far you know, I don't have too much inside scoop. But but as far as I'm 
heard it, it's pretty much done. No kidding. Yeah, that's what it looks like. And it's unfortunate because Columbus is within driving distance of Toronto. And it's a nice little rivalry that's being created. Yeah, and it'll I, be I unfortunate. Think... And I never want to see any supporter or fan lose their team. It's awful. Like there's, no, It's awful. Like they're fullback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, awful house. That sign uh, is the worst in that building, by the way. I, I think... Um... I think we'll still see a team in Ohio. I, I think F, FC Cincinnati, with their support, they're going to be in the yep. league sooner than later. Agreed. And and by the way, the the owner of the Columbus Crew, he's not done too bad. By the way, bought the franchise for sixty million, and if you think franchises are going for one hundred and fifty million right now, no kidding, Cha Ching. Uh, I, I just I just want to bring that up because I feel like I, I don't know how much of the coverage you watch on ESPN and Fox. Like they've just been teeing off on Toronto FC over the course of the playoffs about their behavior, about their attitude, about Brad. Like, come on, the best team in the I know, but it seems so petulant and off base. Like, listen to Hercules Gomez. I'm like, you were part of this team two years ago. You know what this group is all about. He and I don't know if the he couldn't even get a game. And maybe that. That's why he's making the comments he is, that he's bitter that he couldn't get into the team. Yeah, like, he it's just... TF, he was making a quarter million of a year, it, and then he still couldn't get a game. It's just inc- it's just incredible to me, like... I hate him. I got in a fight with him when he played for Santos Laguna. Oh, I, I, I remember being in the crowd one night. I wasn't working. It was after a cancer surgery, actually. It was in the crowd with my dad, and I was screaming and yelling because he was diving all over the park. It was one of those winter games, right? Remember the big? I remember you got into end? him at that. At, yeah, you got into it with him that game. Yeah, he's he's lucky. Yeah, he, he don't want to mess with terrible Terry Dunfield. <laughs> they don't call him terrible because he's mean. Uh, so let let's move on from that. We might be seeing him. Imagine TSN, ESPN. We we see each other in the booth. It could be trouble. Good. Bring them up here. Bring them all up here, and they can actually experience what is a very special thing going on with this club at this time. Um, Javinko and Altador come back into the team. It's not easy without playing with two players that gave you 31 goals on the air, Terry. Regular season goals. And Josie Altador and Javinko combined for 18 goals at home over the course of the regular season as well. Now they come back into this group. They're going to start up front. There's no doubt about that. But what other changes do you make if you're Greg Vanny to the way that you line up? Do you want to know why TFC were so good defensively, I think, against Columbus? is because the back four are back had to face Javinko and Altador in the, the practice squad all week. Yes, right. <laughs> Imagine facing them. Right. Uh, but I, I think TFC, the fact that is a bigger pitch, and one of the advantages uh, of playing a 3-5-2 system is you want to make the pitch extremely big. I think they go back to that 3-5-2 system. And, and we'll see this, the team that's pr- predominantly played most of the season. I think it's a back uh, three of Zavaleta, Moore, and Mavinga. Morrow on the left in a, in a five midfield with Bradley as your holder, point backwards. Uh, Delgado, I think he'll stay in the team as good as Azorio's been. Uh, I, I think he just complements Vasquez and Bradley better, and, and I think it's really harsh on Azorio. On the right, I think Beta keeps his spot, and then uh, the best strike force in the league, Altidore and Javinko, and of course, Bono will continue in that. Agreed. I go back to what you've done the best at home over the course of the year, and that's playing that way. And I, I know it's that harsh on Ozo. I don't know whether you is. agree, but I thought he was again probably one of TFC's sort of top performance performers. I thought he played a really good game, not only on the ball. He always wanted. It. I thought uh, 
tactically he's really improved this season and and uh, especially on the defensive side of things and Delgado wasn't particularly great I didn't like that little bit of attitude he showed uh, when he was taken off but uh, I, I think he'll probably continue just on the basis of uh, how well the midfield with they've you. done this year. Listen, it's harsh on Oso, it's harsh on Hasler, it's ha- harsh on Hagland, it's yeah. harsh on Sheru, it's harsh on Irwin, it's harsh on Edwards. Like, getting into this team simply isn't easy. But I, I think and, it's... And that, by the way, that's another thing TFC have a huge advantage over the crew. Is, is I was looking at their benches, how, how, how much stronger, how much more experience, how much international experience TFC have over the college bench of the Columbus crew. Yeah, no kidding, because when they were looking to add something into that team, the crew had Kikuda Mane to bring on, and who else? That was it. Like, exactly. Abu's like a defensive midfield player. Nice. You have, you know, Cronali's being out at center back. Style. But if you need to switch it up and go out and get a goal, who do you bring on? And, and, and I just Agreed. don't think that they have the options. And that's why Toronto has... A lot of people made up a big deal like, well, TFC didn't get the away goals. Now if Columbus go and score and it's a scoring draw, then Toronto FC's in trouble. I'm like, look, they have to come to BMO Field and score. In 20 games in all competitions, Toronto FC, 15 wins, 3 draws, 2 losses on the year. And the one loss was a game that they didn't have to win, and that was against the New York Red Bulls in the second leg. And so, agreed, agreed. And uh, I still think... 50, sorry, Terry, 50, 51 goals for at home, 17 against in all competitions. I still think you need to respect that Columbus crew front four. I think it's really good. I like Akuda Mane off the bench. I think he's a good sub. I don't think he'd be a good fit for TFC if he were to come here uh, just because I don't think he fits really into the 3-5-2 system. I like him. He's a good player. He's in his contract year. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think TFC just go back to, to, to what they know. I think you have to respect this crew uh, front four. Um, but but I, I think with Altidore and Javinko coming into the side, a rocking BMO, uh, I, I think TFC have Columbus exactly where they want them. Me too. Um, put on or keep on your coaching track pants for a second. If you're Greg <laughs> Bearhalter, how aggressive are you out of the gate? Because you're you not. need you need to you're score not. a goal. Like, do you just have to sit back, be patient, and try to strike on the counter? Like, how do you approach this game? Agreed. I, I think you you almost want to put ten helmets on your team. I think you sit back extremely deep. And, uh, and and teams in previous years against TFC have done that and, and hit TFC on the counter and got away with it a little bit. But I think with TFC have so many weapons in their arson right now with the physical presence of Altidore, uh, Vasquez's ability to pick a pass, a bit of brilliance from Javinko, Moro bombing down that left-hand side. The, 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 I mean, there's so many weapons, it's difficult to stop. Uh, I think the Columbus crew are good in transition, uh, but I'm expecting TFC to just pin them in their half, move that ball laterally, and eventually uh, an opening will open up, a pocket of space, and, and TFC will exploit it. Well, it, and this is where I think the adjustment will be for this match because uh, as soon as Bearhalter saw that Toronto FC was playing the 4-1-4-1 formation, he brought his fullbacks into wide positions. They weren't pinching in anymore, so they're getting wide and getting forward up the field. Now with Morrow and Betashur, if you change that formation back to the 3-5-2, those two players are going to be playing high, and those defenders are going to have to tuck in a little bit more. I think there'll be more space for Vasquez. There'll be more space for Delgado with those two fullback players in a higher uh, playing in a higher position. 
So I think the whole complexion of the game completely changes and skews massively into the favor of Toronto FC. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. kickoff shortly after 7.30. Uh, It's worth mentioning uh, that the Seattle Sanders defeated Houston in Houston, uh, which I didn't like, Terry. This was disappointing for me that that match started before the Toronto FC game wrapped up. Agreed. So it meant that if, like, I was talking to some of the players afterwards, and they were like, well, I couldn't watch the entire game. And that's what they want to see as well. It was just ridiculous timing for a match. And Ibaba sent off, and the Seattle Sounders, through goals through Svensson and Bruin, give them the 2-0 lead, aggregate lead, going back home to the Pacific Northwest. So here we are. We'll all know Wednesday night how it's going to play out uh, for MLS Cup Final on December 9th. I'm looking for a resounding, convincing TFC victory. I'm looking for a 3-0, Terry. Yeah? Yeah, 3-0. I, I think uh, the crew are going to be up against it if, if TFC score early. And, and I know they battered them 5-0. And, yes, the Columbus crew played with just one one holding midfield and really tried to get after TFC back in May. Right. TFC stuffed them 5-0. But I, I think I think the crew of I'm afraid to say, have sort of run their race. Javinko and Altidore, 24 days off between games. <laughs> It's just, just the schedule bothers me. The suspensions bother me. But they won't let it bother them. They'll be inspired. Love how they were in Columbus as well, watching, cheering on the side. Uh, so good things ahead for Toronto FC this week. I feel, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling confident about this, Terry Dunfield. Yeah, I, I looked ahead, too, at the weather. I, I don't think it's going to be, like, too cold. I think it'll be just above freezing as well. Just have time for Terry's favorite segment. It's High Five, and that's <laughs> coming up next. It is time for this week's High five. And this week's topic. Oh, come on. You love it, Terry. This week's topic, because Toronto FC is coming home to play at BMO Field, a place they love to play. It is our top five favorite things about BMO Field. I like it. I like that. Last week's top five people or players, sorry, who'd be in our crew. That was a really good one. That was another level. I I got a good feeling about this one as well, just because I don't know how many of these answers that we kind of give are going to be the same. <laughs> What's that TV show where where uh, you, you go up and they say you, you, we've interviewed 100 people and you've got to try to guess? Family Feud, buddy. That. Family this Feud. Like family Feud style. Right. Okay, l- let's start off with number five. You want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? You go first. You go first. Uh, the field crew at BMO Field. Those guys are top class. Good the, show. They're great individuals. Oh, I wish I had that on my list. They work so <laughs> hard. And the pitch... Considering when you played at BMO Field and before that, um, it's night and day different. And those guys work their tails off to keep the credibility of the field just in absolute top condition, despite difficult, you know, weather conditions. I think they do a great job and they're great guys as well. The field crew coming in at number five. Remember all the talk about the Argos field and they're going to mess up the field a couple of years ago when 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 it was announced. But the sure Argos do. and Tia, that, that that was that was brushed on. No one even talks about it anymore. Doesn't there's, there's matter. Crew, and and there's, to be fair for a for a, a field crew, there's, there's a bit of arrogance too. Check them out on Twitter. They they know they're good. Yes, as well. exactly. <laughs> for me. Uh, one of the things I love about BMO and, and a lot of the fans won't know is they've got cold and hot tubs in the changing room. 
Uh, I love that for before a game, getting in the hot tub, getting your body uh, and muscles warmed up, cold tub afterwards, preparing you for the next game. Now it's one at a time, right? Like that is your tub. No one else can come in. No, it's it's like a party tub. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Okay, so if, if TFC wins MLS Cup, there could be a good after party. Yeah, it's not quite as old school like in England when you <laughs> see like the huge tubs and right. beers and whole bunch of dongs but it's it's uh it's good for your recovery all right uh number four for me the view from up top snap outside of where the press box is there's two landing areas that if we're not calling a game we can go watch and you not only can see the downtown but the view of the lake and when you're looking west it's spectacular when there's a sunset on a warm summer's night there's there isn't a better view of the city for me than that i just love that view and when i think about beemo field i think about that agreed i've got the same i've got skyline nice Let's good move on okay number 3 the tunnel club Below, Ooh, good one. where we go, and it's outside. It's kind of where that brawl took place against the New York Red Bulls. TFC it's just off of the tunnel where the players walk out. Yes, yeah. I, when BMO Field was renovated, they kind of added these communal bar areas where people can congregate, talk about the game, and the tunnel club's cool because you see the players all coming in, and we the we some of the people who cover the team, we get to do our media hits in there and get to chat with like not only staffers but fans as well. It's always a great time. Yeah, I like that one. Uh, and by the way, ticket sales for that place probably went up after the fight. Yes, um, no kidding. I've got, and it's a nice area where players come after the game as well, where the players and, and, and fans can interact a little bit as well. Um, and by the way, it's always been good times down there in the last year or two with the, all the success TFC have been having as yes. well. I don't know what to name my number three, so I've gone with Fortress. I think uh, yeah, JJ puts that out on Twitter, lets us know the Fortress element. Go ahead, explain. Yeah, and, and my, my thinking behind it is uh, BMO's become a real intimidating place for, for oppositions right now. I think TFC used the dimensions of the pitch to their advantage. It, it's, it's, they've made it extremely big, which shoots a 3-5-2 system. I think I like how TFC are now playing at night more often. Where, where there's a slickness to the field, so TFC can really move that ball quickly. So I, I think they've really made uh, it an intimidating atmosphere with the fans as well. I, I think the fans know what BMO's all about, and, 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 the, and that factor uh, really helps uh, helps the lads. Nice. Uh, number two. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Uh, number two, the south end and the atmosphere they create. I mean, there's, there's there's no better experience in Toronto sports, maybe not even North American sports. Like, that's how good they are. I know the players feel it, the opposing team feels it, and it really resonates throughout that entire building. No better atmosphere in Toronto sports, thanks to the atmosphere created by the South End. Good one. Uh, I, I think KC have a good atmosphere where it says, welcome to hell, a little bit like their South End, but it's nowhere near as big as, uh, as TFC's, as vocal, as many flags. It's a real uh, party atmosphere um, and some real smart fans in there as well. I've gone for number two, the renovations. I think they've taken BMO to a whole nother level with the roof coming on. I know it wasn't cheap, but it's well worth it. It's like going to a, uh, a European game at, at BMO right now. I think the renovations all the way throughout the stadium have really taken the club to another level. And number one for me, winning. 
Like that's the biggest difference. <laughs> uh, it's 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 a simple thing, but when your team's losing, being at home and just having peop, casual people in Toronto be like, "Oh, Toronto FC's a good time." No, no, no. Coming to BMO Field, it's all about the three points, and the mentality's changed. I I remember talking to Greg Vanny before the season began. He said that whole element that you brought up, Terry, they needed to create a fortress here because they were like eight, five and three, I believe at home last year. It just wasn't good enough. They dropped too many points. And this year it's been night and day different. Some of those big wins at home over the year against Chicago, against Columbus, the list goes on and on of top games that were played, winning the Canadian championship at home, winning creates and, and is the most important thing about that place and now you got a team on the field that can deliver nice i've got for number one the playing surface when i was first traded to toronto uh playing on grass i, I think it should be a gimme uh everywhere should be grass but the playing surface at bmo spot on i think i think players love even oppositions love coming here because you know it's a nice pitch good stuff buddy that was this week's high five i will give you a high five upon your return home later on or early next week that is uh good luck the rest of this weekend in houston terry best of Thank luck you. and yeah, we'll see you next week for a big week for toronto fc sounds good he is terry dunfield at terry underscore dunfield on twitter i'm oh, your man, boy wheeler. gareth wheeler at wheeler tsn and this has been come on you reds